Chapter 2. The Calm Before Raymond made his way down the broad stone stairs, ignoring anyone that stood before him, aside from one of the more dim-witted servants, Robert, he believed his name was, that had to be gently pushed out of the way. Raymond's chest ached, not from his hurried pace, but rather from what he had seen. He hadn't been able to discern what banner the strangers flew, but even from the distance he knew it was not one he had seen since he was but a child. As he entered the lowermost level of the keep, Raymond nearly crashed into Brodani Talverin, who blinked surprisingly at him in a manner entirely unlike her usual self. My lord, your father. I know, Raymond interrupted her. Uninvited or not, the strangers should not have to wait for his arrival. I will go. The handsome woman brushed aside bangs of hay-colored hair, her emerald green eyes open wide. How the tall and lean champion of White Keep could move so gracefully in that cumbersome plated mail of hers, Raymond did not know. Her narrow and sharp face turned into its usual stoic demeanor. So be it. I will act as your blade, should need be. Should I order the gate open? Raymond began to move towards the main entrance. A pair of chainmail-clad guards began to open the heavy doors of wood. If the others stand ready, then yes, open it. The falling snow made it hard to see, and the wind ruffled Raymond's hair even further. He cared not, yet he was glad that he had thought of bringing his fur-trimmed cloak. It would stop him from shivering all too much. On the semicircular courtyard stood guards ready, facing the gate, their faces masks of concentration and worry both. Their mismatched weapons, maces and flails, spears and swords, shields of wood and steel, were at the ready. Ellen! Bredani yelled, her voice fierce enough to pierce through the howling wind. By my command, open the gate! Despite himself, Raymond winced. Looking up at the twenty or so soldiers stationed on the walls, he noted that their bodies were tense, their crossbows loaded, not unlike those on the courtyard. He blamed them not. Unexpected visits had become somewhat of a bad omen since the beginning of the eclipse. Brodani raised her gauntlet with ease, casting a last lingering gaze at those under her command. They knew what it meant. They had to be ready for anything. The champion cut through the air with her hand. Now! The gate of black iron, ever in contrast to the keep's walls of white stone, began to open with a metallic hiss. Raymond held his breath, clutching his cloak tighter around him. St. Augustina, he thought, ensure that we strike fast and true should it come to that, and ensure that we will not join you on the other side. The strangers entered the courtyard in rectangular formation. There were twelve of them, with nine of them clad in males of crimson scales and face-obscuring helmets of the same color that both seemed to consume the light of their cold flame torches. It was then Raymond recognized their blood-red banner, the flag of the Empire. Raymond's breath was caught in his throat. There had not been a message from the Empire of Northmouth in a decade, and now this? The three riders at the front stood out a great deal. The lone man had large, almond-shaped silver eyes that made him look young, while his flawless skin and hair, braided into a waist-long tail, were ebony black. The breastplate and wrist guards he wore featured the imperial insignia, the emperor chesspiece with a pawn standing in its shadow. His tunic and breeches were of a fine black silk. To his left was a child girl, also with obsidian skin. They were both of Paterian descent. Raymond was sure, as he had read about it. She was short of stature, clad in rags with gaunt cheeks and skin stretched thin over a bony frame. She was bald, blindfolded, and had a collar of steel clamped round her neck. To think, Raymond thought, that the day would come that I would witness a slave once again. That was also something he had not seen since he had been a child. Her pony seems to fare better than her. 
The last of the odd trio was a middle-aged woman with skin of copper, her square face marked by scars and lines, with short and bristly auburn hair and eyes of vibrant amber. Her silver-colored plated mail featured the insignia of the Church of Caltera, and the three black dots on her cheek marked her as a sister superior. Halt! the man yelled, and so the Imperial Company did. He looked around with a bored expression before putting his gloved hand on the child's head. Even as he stroked it, she did not flinch nor make a sound. I thank you, my lord, the man said, his feline-like eyes finding Raymond's, for letting us enter so quickly and without questioning. Might you be the lord of this white fortress? Ah, but where are my manners? I am Jamos Arlosh, one of the emperor's many voices. Raymond bowed deeply, if for nothing else than to hide his disgust. I must confess my surprise, voice Arlosh. We were not expecting you. I am Raymond Larkell, and my father is Telmond Larkell, the lord here at Whitekeep, and of the Vellum province, high lord of the croplands. Rodani wordlessly gestured to the guards to lower their weapons, as the emissary inclined his head ever so slightly. So I see. And where might your father be? He is on his way, but please, let us enter the keep. You must have traveled for— The sister superior intervened, her voice warm and smooth as honey. For roughly nine months. Even so, we wish to see your lord father before we enter. It is our way. She glanced upward, her eyes shining like stars. Your home is very beautiful, Lord Larkell, in its own way. I'm glad to see that it has not fallen like most of Southmouth. With what we saw on the way here, we had little hope for survivors. It was then they heard Telman's approach. The High Lord walked, if not without trouble, then with more confidence than Raymond had seen for quite some time. Telman's walking stick of ironwood helped surely, but Raymond was nevertheless elated to see it. I am here, lords and ladies. I am ever so sorry for my tardiness. Father, this is Jamos Arlosh, one of the Emperor's many voices, and this is... Sister Superior Varantharada, the woman said before, laughing mystically. Greetings to you, Lord Larkel. May the Midnight Lord's shadow evade you. And you too, Sister Tharada, Telmond replied, his bow not as deep as his son's. If the High Lord was surprised by any of this, Raymond couldn't tell. I pray that the saints were watching over you during your journey as well. I'm sure they did. Orlosh's voice was flat, but not entirely unfriendly. We wish to see and speak with you before we entered your home, my lord. I hope our presence here will not cause any trouble. Raymond knew that was not a question. Certainly not, Telman answered. Even so, your timing is somewhat unfortunate. My son's wedding will begin in a few hours, at midday. Jamos glanced over at Raymond again. The emissary smiled at him in a strange, almost unnatural manner. So, I see. Congratulations are in order, I believe. My lords, now that we have spoken with the both of you, might we continue this conversation inside? My men are cold and hungry, and so am I, truth be told. We haven't seen a hearth since we left Northmouth. Telmond gestured with his walking stick toward the entrance. But of course, I will have the stable boys and girls take care of your horses. Come, let us enter. As luck would have it, we have an abundance of food at the ready, not to mention wine. The servants rushed in good fashion, the preparing of the mess hall for the guests, hours before the predetermined time of the wedding. Raymond and Berdani stood near the entrance to the grand room that was dominated by the sixteen-foot-long ironbark table, which was quickly being covered by trays of roasted meat, bowls of boiled vegetables and spicy soup, large potatoes, freshly baked bread, mugs filled to the brim with dark ale and cups of crimson wine. Berdani was watching it all with narrowed eyes, her hand resting on the pommel of her bastard sword. 
She snorted and gave Raymond a knowing look. I mean no disrespect, she began to whisper, after making sure no one would hear them. But I hope your father knows what he's doing. I understand that it would be foolish not to hear them out, whatever their intentions. Yet I worry. True enough, Raymond ran his hand through his thick, wind-kissed hair. His fingers grew wet due to the melted snow. I can scarcely believe that they are here at all after all this time. Brodani rolled her broad shoulders, making her plates of mail hit one another. I was certain that the Empire had fallen. Those pale bastards struck us the hardest to the north. I cannot begin to imagine how things must have transpired in Northmouth. Raymond pursed his lips, but said nothing further. He had to think further on this matter. Ask the right questions. But for now, it would not do to stand there and look suspicious. With a curt nod, he left Halverin's side and made his way to his seat at the table. He was sitting to the right of his father and to the left of Sister Therada, whose eyes glittered as she enjoyed another mug of dark ale. She had somewhat of a motherly quality to her, Raymond noted, in spite of her scars and the heavy-plated mail she had worn not an hour earlier. So good, so bitter, she mumbled, wiping the tip of her thin, petite nose free from any lingering foam. If nothing else, she was without doubt unlike any other Calderish knight Raymond had ever come across. She seemed kinder, softer. She felt his inquisitive gaze, no doubt, and grinned in his direction. If you do not mind me asking, Lord Larkhell, I had hoped to speak with your own sister here at Whitekeep. Will they not join us? Sister was the name given to those that represented the fate. Every noble family had a sister at their disposal, in accordance with the imperial law. Against his better judgment, it would not do to come drunk to his own wedding, Raymond poured some wine into the cup in front of him as he mulled over how to best answer the question. I'm sorry, Sister Thrada, but Sister Hask has left us. Left you? Jamos, who was seated at the other side of the table, asked. He had placed his elbows on the table, his chin resting on laced fingers. How did he die? I cannot say. He might yet live. What I meant to say was that he simply left us in the dead of night, riding into the dark, close to five years ago. Raymond left out the part that he had not done so alone. His very own mother had left that same night. How strange, Varan broke the short silence that followed. Sister Hask, was it? I do not recognize his name, and he left you no note, no reason for leaving? Then tell me, have you offered prayers to or older, and not only your own saints, even without Hask to guide you at all? But of course Raymond lied without hesitation. Surely there had to be some that did so in Whitekeep or even in Haven, but they were few. And the Midnight Lord has heard us. His shadow has yet to fall over Whitekeep or Haven. Varan, Jamos's scolding tone was monotone. Only godforsaken madmen do not pray to the father of the night. He offered his now-nigh-empty plate to the child girl. Whisper was her name, or so Jamos claimed. That had followed him there. She took it wordlessly and left his side. Jamos continued speaking as if he had never stopped in the first place. Haven, such a strange name for a village. Yet I understand the name of a place doesn't really matter anymore. What I find even more strange is its closeness to your home. Talmans chuckled. <laughs> we were not the ones that came up with the name, I assure you. It was the villagers themselves. They wished for safety, to be as near to Whitekeep as possible. So, I see, Orlosh smiled once more in his own peculiar way. I, for one, believe it speaks highly of you, High Lord. A moment of silence passed before Jamos began to speak once more. I see the eclipse has not changed your fortune in one regard. Vellum is ever playing its part to the breadbasket that is Southmouth. Talman shook his head slowly. Perhaps, voice Orlosh, but it has not been easy. We have lost farmsteads, reclaimed them, only to lose them all over again. So many have died, with little for us to show for it. Thou reap what thou sow. That is the motto of your house, yes? Sister Thrada impaled one of the potatoes with her knife and lifted it up. 
and that which you reap, little as it might be, is as edible as always. They are colored so strangely, are they not? It is as if the light is playing tricks on me. Yet they taste much the same. The path on which the Midnight Lord has placed us is a mysterious one, would you not agree? Telman's ocean-blue eyes grew sharp once more, if only for a moment. Raymond was unsure whether or not Varan even noticed it. Mysterious? That is a light-hearted way to put it, and it is rare for me to hear light-hearted thoughts. Varan chuckled. Her sweet laugh reminded Raymond of music. <laughs> Call me foolish if you wish. It matters not to me. I will not take offense. As Sister Superior, I must be the lonesome light in this seemingly unending darkness. Enough, Jamos groaned, his upper lip raised. My lords, we have taken up enough of your time. This wedding of yours will begin soon, and you need more time to prepare, I'm sure. Thank you for the food and drinks, but now I wish to rest. As soon as the wedding ends, however, I wish to speak with you in private, my lord. Raymond, his father, Champion Talverin, and Sister Thorada, who had stated that despite feeling exhausted, nevertheless wished to witness the wedding herself, made their way through the Black Gate and began riding down the paved road. With them came two Imperial soldiers, their faces hidden once more behind their crimson helmets, and four of the White Keep guards. The gentle slope down the massive hill offered an impressive view overlooking the village below, despite the lack of light the eclipse offered them. They rode in silence. Not even Magni, Raymond's black stallion, neighed nor snorted. It was as if he knew better for once. Telmond, despite having trouble walking from time to time, was still ever the skilled rider. The fat on his belly had done little to the rest of his body, his arms and legs still thick branches made of muscles. From time to time he would gaze at his son with mixed feelings playing across his face. Raymond tried not to look back all too much. He held his head high. Brodani's hair swayed in the wind and grew whiter by the minute from the gathering snow. Raymond looked over at Thorada. She was clad in a simple outfit, a tunic, hose, and boots, all in varying shades of green and brown. The silence had grown too long, it would seem, and so Thorada spoke. Only an hour remains. Where are all the guests, the wife-to-be? They will be here when it begins, Telman answered, his voice thick with emotions. The ceremonies start as soon as they arrive. The servants are just outside the village now on the wedding hill, making the final preparations. Telmond looked towards the sky at the silver-gray clouds swirling high above. They sent word the day before yesterday. They will be here. The Anarians are nothing if not punctual. I doubt their pride would allow them anything else. Tharada said nothing, as Raymond merely shrugged to confirm his father's words. She sighed, the corners of her mouth twitching. Raymond could not blame her. Pride alone could not keep you alive. Berdani, for her part, said nothing as well. Not that out of the norm, Raymond thought. That was something he admired about her. She did not speak much or often, but when she did, her words held weight. As they entered the village, people began to gather. Many of them were thin, their bodies and clothes barely washed, and yet they smiled at the sight of him. Raymond did the same, genuinely, waving as he rode past them. Some threw flower petals onto their path. Others began to sing the red hymn of love, laughed with joy pointed, whispered, stared, all without the faintest hint of malice, just adoration. Raymond's mood grew brighter than it had been for many weeks, even months. Thorada could not help but smile as well. He wondered if she knew of any lords that were so well-loved by their people. As they neared the wedding hill, however, one of their scouts rode towards them, stopping them with a raised hand. My lords, thank the bloody saints I found ye! The boiled leather-clad man barked, nearly out of breath, his expression greatly troubled. I've news for your ears alone. Talmond moaned in frustration at the man's words. What is it, Marcus? Speak quickly. 
Marcus licked his dry lips. There's, there's hundreds of roamers, not three days from here. They're coming this way, my lord, towards Haven. (laughs) 